Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah, we have Brother Ali Muhammad with us. Thank you for joining us. Ah, alhamdulillah. Thank you for having me, brother. Alhamdulillah. So, I'm just getting acquainted with you right now. I, don't, I haven't met you before, but alhamdulillah, we do no, have we have some uh, some people that both of us know. So, Brother Hakim, Sheikh Latif, and I think uh, Brother Abdullah. You know? Do you know Brother Abdullah? I do. I and, do. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, Brother Sajjad as well, everyone. So it's good. So I'll, I'll get to catch up with them through you, inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Inshallah. All right. So as just as you know, I run podcasts with different groups of people. So sometimes I speak to ulama, and with the ulama, we look at their studies and their experiences in the hausa, and then how how it is coming back from the house into the communities and working with the communities and things of this nature. I speak with psychologists and we look at faith-based psychology and how we integrate Islam into psychological practices for the Mu'mineen here in the West. Also, I'm trying to find some, uh, some hijabi athletes to speak with as well because I feel that this, it'd be a good idea for sisters to get more active and get involved in sports and I think they could get encouraged from these athletes that are already doing it. And finally, the last group are brothers who have been incarcerated before. And the reason why I want to speak with this group is to kind of shed light on the difficulties that they face, right? So obviously, everyone has a story. I've been incarcerated before. Also, you have. And obviously, our lives weren't perfect beforehand. But while we're while we hit rock bottom, I'm assuming this is the case for you. We, we look towards religion, and we find religion. We cling towards the religion, and we try to better ourselves. And then we leave the prison, and we find all kinds of, let's say, difficulties integrating into the community because of our past. And sometimes, you know, people's situation are different. Sometimes there's open arms for us and sometimes there's difficulties. So I kind of want to sh shed the light with with this group and this segment of the community. Inshallah, introduce introduce us to the community, show show people the struggles that we go through and hopefully look forward to, to bettering the situation. So Brother Ali Muhammad, we have you on the podcast today. Um, Thank you. Just because I don't know much about you, maybe we could start by by looking at your life before incarceration, see who you were, what you were up to, and then we'll move into incarceration and becoming Muslim and all of that. Thank you. Uh, absolutely. Um, I believe that my, my uh, reconversion back to Islam, uh, as we all believe, was... Um, during the time when I was at Brown, 1996, I was about 16 years old, and I have a unique, uh, how would I say, situation where all of my uncles being a black American in the United States and the tremendous amount of reverts and conversions to Islam from black men being incarcerated, I unfortunately followed that same path that was attempting to try to stop with me. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't successful. I had to go through the entire process, just like my uncles before me. But when they came home, all of my uncles 
had come home with these unique names that I then had to start to call them that, you know, so my uncle Johnny and my uncle Donald and my uncle, you know, Reggie, they were now Hakeem and Latif. And, and this, this whole thing was so mystical to me. Mm-hmm. And I just knew that these, you know, I wanted to emulate some of their, their lifestyles and their patterns. I just remember family gatherings where they were required to use the grill first. Oh, wow. Because there's a clear separation in the black community where the mothers and the females who were, who at that time weren't, a lot of women weren't getting locked up. This is a new thing where we have a huge population boom of, of women going to prison and they weren't in that situation yet. And so I just remember my first, my first images of Islam were the family gatherings and I wasn't very clear on what was going on. I just knew that all of my uncles required the grill and they cooked their food first. And it just it just grabbed a hold of me, and it was like, what's going on, and why can't I have any of that salmon? <laughs> <laughs> and and why are they eating? And, and and they would say, well, this is for the believers, this is for the mumin. And I was just like, well, what does that mean? What is and why did they go in the in, in the spare bedroom by themselves? And what were they doing in the bathroom washing up? And I just this whole thing was so. And my my mom was just like, don't talk to them. Don't, they're crazy. You know, and it was in, in, in as a 16 year old young boy, it, that was the worst thing she could have said to me because <laughs> it, my path was immediate to it. You know, this is all the way back in 1996, 1996. Um, oh. Two of my uncles had already been home. And my third uncle, who was an imam in the, in the uh, federal prison system, was coming home and he was obviously going to be the elder. Um, he was a Hafiz mm-hmm. and he was, uh, he was no joke. This was the no playing around Muslim wow. that we all know and love. And, and, and he w- he became a man very quickly and he established some things. And I was, you know, like a moth to a flame. I could yeah. not wait. That's, that's amazing. So you do have a connection <laughs> to Islam through your family. Which is good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But but obviously there wasn't any formal education at the time, and I just saw I just saw like little glimpses of it. I saw um, uh, flashes of it. So it would be any kind of family gathering, birthdays, graduations, things like that. I just knew that my uncle Latif was going to be there, and that that this was a big deal. Mm. And and I just knew he always smelled great. <laughs> you know those things. Those small little things, the nuances that you catch on, you know, it's his yes, beard and, and, the, and, the, and the glow on his face. And so just like most Muslims, I had a very unconventional kindergarten way of coming through Islam where I didn't know who the messenger and who this gentleman named Muhammad was mm. from the nation of Islam. And, and, and I thought that they were one and the same. And, I, and it was just all of this stuff I had to relearn. I had to, I had to get my formal education. And it was a lot of that. And, 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 and you go, well, aren't these two people one and the same? I stop a lot. They're not. Mm. And so those types of things, those, those little nuances where I had to, I had to learn these things. And I, I didn't learn those things until I went to prison. Okay. So how did you end up in prison when you had you had Muslims or let's say you yes. had glimpses of Islam 
as you as you said, where you looked and you said, "Wow, huh? This is interesting. They're they're not cooking meat on the barbecue, or they smell good and they're glowing and all of that." And you were attracted yeah. to them, but obviously you went a different path as well. Yes, because I didn't understand that the walk of a Muslim mm. to to bear witness to there being no God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger had more to do with your personal behavior. They couldn't, obviously they couldn't give me uh, a lot of my five pillars in these small interactions. Mm. I didn't know I had to then be a good person as well. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I had to be an upright citizen as well, a nice man as well. Yeah. I just only saw a very small portion. I just knew that we didn't, they didn't use terrible language. I just knew that they were nice to each other. I didn't know that that then extended outside of strangers in the brotherhood. And you had, not only do you have to pray to be a Muslim, you have to be a nice person as well. Mm. You see what I'm saying? I and did. so I did. I had a very similar experience as well. Like when I first became Muslim before, I became Muslim before I got locked up. And at that point, I didn't have much knowledge at all about Islam. I, I knew we don't eat pork, don't do drugs, don't drink alcohol. Like very few, like very few laws that are very commonly known. But I didn't have an in-depth knowledge at all of Islam until I got locked up and started studying at that point. That's when I learned my compassion, my tolerance, my empathy for my, my brother. Those things I did not have. I didn't grasp that. So um, I was convicted of multiple robberies with the use of a deadly weapon, all of which I did. Mm. This is not a this is not even a debate. I was a bad person who thought being a Muslim didn't regulate my behavior as as well. Mm. I thought my rejection of Santa Claus made me a good Muslim. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's what and, and, and obviously when I got the letters, oh, my, the letters from my uncles and the disappointment and the hurt, like if, if the judge could have said, hey, you were going to sentence you to years of disappointment in your uncles from your uncles. That would have crushed me mm. because that I, I their opinion of me. Remember, I'm still trading one God for another. I still haven't found it yet, you see? Yeah. So their opinion of me meant more to me than any sentence the state of Nevada could have given me. Mm. To let my uncles down, yeah. to let my family down. You know, I still hadn't I still hadn't grasped it yet. It was, it was coming it was coming along very very slowly. I had never went inside a mosque. Yet. I had never been inside of a mosque. Uh, up until the point that I had been to uh, prison. Mm. All right, so you get locked up. What was your sentence? My sentence was seven and a half to 15 years. Mm. Seven and a half to 15. Yes, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, I'm sorry. Let me, allow me to uh, uh, correct it. I, I misread. 36 to 90, so that's three, uh, six to 15. 36 uh Wait, 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 yeah. No. Six to 15 
which is <laughs> my months, my months, 72? 72 months, yep. 72 Six months, yep. Six years, and uh, 15 years on the back. Yeah. And, and uh, obviously, I've, I, I'm attempting to move on even to this day, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and not try to dwell on a lot of that. Yeah. It was uh, 36 to 90 twice. So, Two thirty sixes, two nineties, which yep. is uh, seventy two to one eighty. Yep. And there you have it. Yep. All right. So, did you end up doing the six years, or did you did you get out before that? I uh, because my mandatory minimum was six years, yep. so I had to. My first goal, my first goal was to get that first parole. Mm. If I, I knew that if I didn't get that first parole, that things were going to be very very difficult for me. Yep. So. Because I had a minimum of, of six years to do, I actually had a parole officer while incarcerated. Yeah. Because yep. I was technically you got, on parole. I see. You got paroled off the first sentence and then you went on to the second one. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I had to pay supervision fees. I don't know if that happened with you, but I actually had to pay my parole officer whilst incarcerated. That's crazy. That's crazy. They, 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 they made that a lot, you know, because they're trying their best to take as much. They take, they take, they just suck the blood of the community mm. and the people who support them and everything. So I remember, when, I remember very vividly, I was one of the first people who had to pay my parole officer whilst in prison. Wow. All right. Mm -hmm. So now, which, which prison did you go to for, at the beginning? <laughs> I pulled the plastic off my mirror of high desert state prison because I was one of the, I was the first inmate in my cell. Wow. Okay. So the plastic that was the protective covering on my mirror, I pulled that off because I was the first person in that cell. Hmm. And my first meeting with my counselor, she says, you're a young man with a uh, tremendous amount of time in a brand new prison. And this is, and, and you're already getting in trouble and this is not going to work for you. And I'm going to send you up north to Nevada State Prison with people who are a little more settled. This is because because the 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 damage, the death and the destruction of a brand new prison is something that I cannot convey to your audience. Mm. I'm not sure if you ever been into a, a, a newly opened prison as well. No, sir. No, I haven't. So I got. I got sent to oh. Indiana Springs, I believe it was, it's something like that, for like a couple of weeks, and then yeah. I went to then I went to Nevada State Prison from there. So I was so I, you yeah. we went to the same situation, yeah. Yeah. So I was at I was at NSP for the majority of the sentence until I got paroled. Then they sent me to a minimum yard. Yes. So I I opened so Indian Springs is a what like a couple hundred yards away from high desert that was being built probably during that time. And then I, they, they, they quickly saw that my, what would be called uh, my risk level or something mm -hmm. like that was too high to be in a branded prison. Yeah. So then they sent me to NSP as well. Mm -hmm. And Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, getting off that, getting off that bus yep. in Nevada state prison is something out of uh, Hollywood. I remember. I remember the bus going from 
going from down south up north to Nevada State Prison. I just remember being on that bus, like you chained up to the person next to you, and the people were talking about the most ridiculous stuff in that bus. I remember just sitting there like, oh my God, what? where am I? What is this? This is crazy. And then you get off the bus. I remember it was snowing at the time, so it was winter. And we get off the bus and they got they got the police up on the roof with shotguns and they're just screaming at you. They're trying to scare you right there from, from that second yeah. into submission. It was crazy. Yeah. It just made me angry because I knew I had already been taken from, you know, I had already been to prison. So I knew that this was like I wasn't coming from court to prison like most people. Mm. So it just made me angry that they were putting on this simple this show. And I was so I was so anti-establishment and so anti-authority at the time that before I got scared, which I eventually did. But before I ever got scared, I just got so enraged mm. for the audacity to for them to be able to scream at me like they were some sort of they were part of the justice system. Yeah. You're a part of the holding system, but you were you you you're not here. No one's here to administer justice. I've already had that parse that process. I just remember that. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I remember for me, they put you because it was a large group that got sent to Nevada State Prison. So they actually took one of the cell blocks and they made that intake. So we were there for yes. a few days. We had to walk past the, the yard. Yeah. So we walked past the yard. The yeah, so it was all okay. the way up in I forgot what the what they were called. Uh, it's been a long uh -huh. time, but we went past yes. the yard on the upper on the upper side, and mm -hmm. uh, into one of those modules for about two three days. Then they let us out, and mm -hmm. I went on the yard and I found the Muslim Brothers at that point when I got out. When is it that you got connected with them? Yeah, yeah, immediately, immediately. Yeah. So it was it's it's very funny. That's exactly what happened. My first interaction was on a Tuesday, which is Talim. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> they just they announced it. And I believed somehow that I was Muslim. Mm. I don't know how I even qualified that I was Muslim. My uncles had given me a, a name already. Okay. So I had my Muslim starter kit. I had a <laughs> Quran that I had never opened. Mm. before and, and things like that but you know i had never taken shahada at that point and i just came down there to them and they embraced me with open arms i just remember i mean it's so it's such a blessing for me the things that i do remember um my first interaction with the muslim brothers was during the first tuesday Tallinn class uh, i must have gotten there on the weekend and then you know my two three days with like mm. you're saying and uh, the, the the debate was who was the first Muslim, <laughs> and so they were saying this is the this is the uh, this is the conversation I I remember it so vividly. Mm. They were saying, well, if Adam was already a Muslim, he was then he was Adam was a prophet. They were saying because anyone who repeats what Allah tells them to say is in speaking prophecy. Mm. If this is, and we were just, we were studying Genesis and it was like, if this is what is said, then Eve would then be the first believer of the prophet. 
Mm-hmm. And this is the debate that they were having. Mm-hmm. And it was such an eye-opening experience. And the chalkboard was full of verses and examples and diagrams. And, you know, and I walk in and they go, well, brother, what do you think? And I was just like, OMG, I am not ready for this. <laughs> I am not ready. I just was like, I know how to write my name in Arabic. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually that's amazing. A- okay, when I when I got there, there was nothing like that. Yeah. So when I got there, oh. I remember I I we hit the yard. I walked out. I saw some brothers wearing kufi hats, and I walked up to them. Salam alaikum, alaikum salam. And they asked me if I was Sunni or Shia. So obviously there was this debate going on in the prison <laughs> at that point, right? And I had. Yeah. I had already been kind of introduced to Shia Islam, kind of um, by mistake, but alhamdulillah, that's that's what happened. So I said, I'm Shia, and they were all Sunni, right? So I walked oh, up to the Sunni brothers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and they were fine. They were good. And yeah. they were like, there wasn't like any fight or anything between the no. Sunni and Shia. And they're like, yeah, we're Sunni. We'll uh, introduce you to the Shia brothers. So just uh, come to Juma. So it was Friday. Come to Juma okay. in the afternoon at like 4 p.m. They had Juma for some reason. And, okay. And so I was like, all right. So we, and it was at the lower yard. So we went down to the lower yard at that time. So they, they let us okay. go for going to Juma prayers. And uh, I remember just sitting there and, and Brother Abdullah came and he was walking with a cane. He had the crescent moon in store shaved on his head. And uh, I remember I was like, man, look at this brother. And uh, he came and said, Salaamu Alaikum. And obviously, you know, he's very, very warm and and smiling and laughing. And he made it's you feel comfortable. Yeah. It's No, it made me completely the opposite. Yeah. I was not comfortable with, <laughs> with love and compassion. I still had a tremendous amount mm. of negativity inside mm. of me. So Abdullah... The, the brother that he is, and I have nothing but warm th- uh, thoughts of him. I was completely against him mm. at first. I was completely like, you know, arm's distance because it was so strange. Yeah. Up until that point, no one's that nice to you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. T- he was very nice. And it took me, I mean, I kind of. I kind of clicked it with him pretty quick, you know what I mean? But okay. I okay. did feel, I did feel, uh, probably at the beginning, maybe the first couple times I've seen him, that maybe he has something, you know, maybe he wants something, maybe there's something to this. But shortly thereafter, I did, you know, we did uh, click, and I even moved into his cell. So, like, we became, we became roommates for maybe, I don't know how long it took, but maximum a month after I met him, we moved in together. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and then from there, like he taught me all everything about religion, and like I didn't know anything before. Brother Mustafa wasn't there, so it was it oh, was he him. Wasn't. No, so it was just Abdullah. The Shia brothers oh, were Abdullah. I don't know if you if you met Mujahid Ahmed. I have met Mujahid. Yeah, so it was him, Mujahid, yes. and uh, and me. Pretty much, it was us three. And then there was some people came in. <laughs> Uh, came and went. There was a brother Khalid, who uh, he he unfortunately left Islam while I was there. Um, there was oh, no. there was a couple other brothers that that just kind of came and left. But yeah, yeah, me me Abdullah and Mujahid were the core that I remember. Yes. 
I, I had the pleasure of meeting Mujahid as well. Um, uh, Mustafa was the imam in Ely prison, which is the maximum prison, yeah. which was at the time groundbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember Abdullah. Oh, so Abdullah goodness. had come to Nevada State Prison just a few years before I got there. So he was at Ely with Mustafa and told me all okay. the stories about how how Mustafa converted and then the whole prison was against them and they were back to back fighting yes. people off and it was yes. craziness, craziness, like the stories that, yes. that he has. Yes. Inshallah, I don't know how his health is, but I really want to get him on one of these podcasts so he could tell me those stories, man. They're, they're oh earth shattering stories, bro. And they then, are, in fact, earth-shattering yeah. stories, yes. And then, uh, yeah. And then, so I saw him just a couple years after he moved from Ely to, to Nevada State Prison. So, just so we can get, obviously, the listeners in context, I showed up January of 2000. Okay, so I, I got out in May of '99. So six months ah. before you did. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So there you have it. Because yeah, I showed up. Yeah, I showed up and <clears throat> they asked me the same question. Obviously, with my my uh, uh, education level in Islam being, you know, at a at a, a pre K <laughs> level, I I didn't know that there was a. Uh, uh, labels but i do remember i do remember my my imam my first imam being my uncle he says and 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 this is this is still i I acknowledge that what i'm about to say is very controversial and i have yet to reconcile this information so uh begging the pardon of the of the listeners i'm going to say something that i acknowledge is a tremendous oversimplification and I say it with a, with a tremendous amount of caution and compassion. My, my uncle, my first imam, said that the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, was neither Sunni nor Shiite. He was simply a Muslim, and that is what we are. Hmm. And, that, and that was it. And when he said it that way, I, I now know why. Coming from prison, it, there's a time for that. And prison is not the time. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But I do understand that I, that is a vast oversimplification, and that erases a tremendous amount of history. And I don't want—I'm not here to debate it. I'm just simply saying that this was the education that I got at the time, mm-hmm. and I see why in a situation of you know life and death in prison, this is probably what helped him and his community at the time. Yeah, of course. Of course. I remember when I was there, there was, uh, I don't know, do you remember Brother Latif, who was the Sunni imam? Was he there? Because I know he was, he was getting... Very soft-spoken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very soft-spoken. Yeah. Uh, uh, had a little bit of long hair, Latif, right? Is that yeah, the one yeah, we're yeah. talking about? So, he, yes. uh, I know they were, they were giving him a hard time, and now he's trying to get out. I don't know when he actually got out no, no. him. I know he was still a Muslim when I got there. Yep. Inshallah, he's still being watched over by Allah and His angels. Yeah, and uh, there was they had they had maybe twenty Sunni Muslims, twenty twenty five Sunni Muslims there, and there was only a handful of Shia. 
but we never got like there was never any animosity towards one another any fights any like i remember we weren't together like we wouldn't have the same programs with one another but there was no there was no like as i said no animosity we never did we fight with one another we always <clears throat> tried to support one another so i remember um i don't know if uh this guy was still there His, they called him big pretty big huge oh. uh, <laughs> yeah i remember oh. <laughs> the boogeyman what a, what a disgusting the, individual the boogeyman. oh my god i don't even know i don't i think i think so just for away. reference just for reference he, he got locked up for rape and i think he raped i don't know how many people in prison as well but anyways he choked out the assistant imam so not latif but the one under him Ooh. yeah he choked him out and stole his who, who was that i forgot his name he was oh, he wore I mean, a little blood bit older is boiling yeah, I forgot his name. I forgot his name. But he choked him out, stole his like beans or like a can of beans or whatever from him. And uh, I remember Abdullah got irate. He was so angry at that. And this is just to show that there was no fight between Sunnis and Shias. And even though he was Sunni, Abdullah went to Big Pretty and like was like, oh, well, I'll end you if you do this again. And he was he was like trying to trying to fight him and like big pretty is like this i don't know how maybe in my mind maybe in my mind he's actually bigger than he actually is but he was like one of the biggest people i've ever seen in my life and abdullah is small gigantic human being yes yeah and abdullah is small so it's like yes it's like it's like a little tiny pit bull going up against like this huge you know monster but he was, he was, his hat in his face. Oh, I'll do this to you. I'll do that to you. You better not touch another Muslim. And, and Big Pretty just laughed at him. Sorry, whatever. And just walked away. But I was like, man, like you could see how, like it doesn't yeah. matter Sunni Shia, we'll stand up for each other. And like, that's what I, I got from that. It was pretty amazing. I just, I just remember, I'll tell, I'll tell you, your listeners a very silly, funny story. I remember they decided to have a basketball league, mm. and and the Muslims wanted to play basketball, yeah. and we were trying to debate whether basketball was halal or not. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was there. I wish I was there. I would have played. With you. It's the silliest. <laughs> it's the silliest because 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 in 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 prison you have nothing to do. But to debate the finer points mm. of the minutia, you I know? remember. I remember when I was there, we did have a basketball league. I played in it. What was you guys' name? Because I, I can't wait remember. to reveal. We, didn't, we didn't have a. We didn't have a Muslim. Team. You didn't have a name. We didn't have a Muslim. Oh, okay. team. So we I had a with, Muslim basketball team. Yeah, no, no, no. I was with uh, a few brothers. I, I don't remember who their names. I remember their face. Don't remember their names. But anyways, I, we played with them. I did well. I think. I remember I hit the game-winning shot. I won the oh three-point contest. God. It was fun. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it so, was fun. So, so this is this is post nine eleven. You got to remember this. Yeah, yeah. The name that we decided because obviously Muslims. Another thing people need to know: Muslims in prison make things way harder on themselves. <laughs> it has to. Be. <laughs> we go we take the hard way every time we decided that our name was going to be the jihad squad <laughs> yeah that must have went well with the administration yeah 
Absolutely not. So, 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 Coach Love, I know you know yeah, Coach yeah, Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, absolutely not. It doesn't going to be called that. There's no way. There's no way you're going to be the Jihad Squad. So, so, oh my goodness. We had to quote Hadi. We had to find passages in the Quran and the Bible to explain what jihad is and that the term has been hijacked. Mm. I remember I was, because I, I was a part of the, the Shura committee mm. <laughs> that was explaining, <laughs> that was explaining this whole process. Mm. And oh my goodness, we finally got them to be okay with it. He was like, the first time it's a problem. I'm snatching your name. Wow. I'm taking the name of the team. We were terrible. <laughs> we were terrible. Abdullah coaches. He was our head coach. He's terrible. <laughs> we, we just got whopped every time. But we showed up. We showed up for our beatings <laughs> every week, if you can believe that. And this is not the Disney movie where the Jihad squad <laughs> is somehow <laughs> triumphant. No. We got we got our teeth kicked in oh. every single game. Man. You got I wish I was there. That would have been fun. <laughs> yeah. I remember I remember to this date, although you know memory kinda memory changes in your mind. So I don't know I don't know exactly if this is what happened, but I remember that we were down four points. Uh with like oh. seconds left on the court on the on the clock. And I ran the ball up the court, jumped into someone uh, uh, like just past the half point line, jumped into him to try to get the foul, threw it up there, got the foul, and it went in, right? And I remember oh. everyone grabbed me, and they like yeah. put me on their shoulders and ran me around the court. It was the best. It was the best. Right, because you got a chance to make a towel for your banner. Yeah. Did you, did you no, guys no, put no, a banner no. up? No, no. We had none of that. It was, it was, yeah, it was none of that. None of that. It was oh, just. Oh, man. See, yeah. we had we decided that we wanted a banner, <laughs> and we made up things like you guys didn't win anything. <laughs> Why did you get a banner? Because we make things twice as hard as they need to be That's for funny. us. That's so, funny. Uh, one of my stories that I want to impart to your listeners about. Uh, so, so before I say this, is it okay if I speak about Abdullah a little bit? Yeah, of course. And his course. impact on my life. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, at the time, I had no education. I had zero education. I believe that um, through my four years of high school, I had the credits of a half semester of a freshman. So I had did four years of high school, but credit-wise, I was I was the first half of one semester. Mm. Credit-wise, yeah. so. Um, I just wanted to go and work in the kitchen and lift weights because I was a very small man and I just wanted to just work out and eat and not really do a lot of things. And, and he saw that immediately. He saw he saw that I, I was very adverse to that, or what they call programming, mm. which, I, which I, I, I detest that term, but that's the word that they use. You got a program, right? Mm. So he, he said to me one day, I was in his cell, 
And he was like, you don't have an education, do you, brother? And I said, no, no, I don't. But uh, I like working in the gym. I mean, I like working in the kitchen. I like going to the gym. I like to, you know, just, just kind of stay out the way. And he says, on my wall, in my cell, he says, I have a spot on my wall that I would really, really like to see your GED. Mm. He says, if you were to get your GED, I would put it on my wall. And it would it would mean so much to me. And the love that I had for Adula, this is the first time he's ever asked me for anything. Mm. You know, he's he's very well off. He, he doesn't need anything. Yeah. I said, and I said, you want my you want my GED? He was like, well, not the actual GED. I want to I want you to send that home to your mom. But I want you to go to the law. I want you to get your GED, go to the law library and make me a copy and send the original home to your mom. And I thought about it, and I said, well, okay. I just said, okay, fine. And I went to the education building, and I signed up for the GED class, and I, and I studied, and uh, I passed. Mm. I passed first try. It wasn't very difficult at all. Just had to learn a couple of um, math formulas. That's all it was. So – I did exactly what he said. I went and uh, paid, uh, I think it's like, what, five cents for a copy at the law library. Handed it to him in a manila envelope. I'm thinking that I'm done with him. I can now go back to the kitchen, continue my job, continue to work out twice a day, sleep for the rest of the day, and that's it. And he says, brother, that, that was so nice. Every day when I wake up and I drink my coffee, I look at your GED, and, and it just warms my heart. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. He says, but, brother, you know, next to your GED, you know what would really make me happy? I was like, what? And he was like, the high school diploma. And I was like, no, <laughs> no. And he was like, yes, brother, because your GED is up there by itself, and all of the other brothers see it, and they ask me, what about your high school diploma? And I'm like, I was like, Abdullah, I don't have any credits. Do you know how I might have to do four years of high school? Turns out in the state of Nevada, the GED covers a lot of your core credits, mm. which I didn't know. And so it it said that basically based on what I had and, and everything that I only needed. And I went to high school in California. So the credit system translates differently. I only needed a couple of more classes. Mm. A lot of creative writing. I needed a bunch of electives. A lot of, so I studied Spanish, just like anyone else, and I still don't know how to speak Spanish. And so, I, but I did. I said, okay. It took me a year and a half. I, I got into an argument with a, with a math teacher. And they literally kicked me out of the education building, which I didn't didn't care Mm. because I don't know what what that means. I don't know what that to to, you know that if 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 an inmate cannot go back to the education building, the implications of that. I didn't know, nor did I care. He finds out and I was terrified that he was going to find out. He finds out that I've been kicked out of the education building within minutes of it. Some, you know, because word travels. Mm. He grabs me. He gets Coach Love, who who's, who who has a son who's a Muslim in Ely. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And that's who our uh, sponsor was, was Coach Love. Mm-hmm. They, they make me write an apology to the math teacher. And I literally have to go and apologize to him. It was an argument or whatever. And he let me back into the education building. And I don't realize what that means. Because that means college. That means vocational. That means all of those things. Yeah. Education is one huge block that I didn't understand. Mm. He yelled at me. He made me feel terrible. I remember that. Abdullah. <clears throat> and uh, I just said, okay, fine. And I, and I went and I got the high school diploma. I didn't care about my grades. I just wanted to finish each course. And I was able to test. It's called a credit by exam. Hmm. So certain certain classes I could test out of. I remember that. Yeah. And if I, if, I could, if I could show that I could read and write English, boom. If I can show that I, I can grasp photosynthesis, Boom, you know, and, mm-hmm. and so it's a it's a process that's that's so long and just you know laborious that at the end of it, I wasn't paying attention. I graduated with a three point eight. Wow, that's great. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I graduated that high. I just know that they give you a, a packet. Like this, 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 this represents ninth grade English. Yeah. And then this represents 10th grade math, this whole packet. Mm. This is what, this is the equivalent of 10th grade math or whatever the case may be. So I just, just was doing it. I was just doing whatever. I, I give him my, um, my high school diploma. He, he starts to cry, which Abdullah will start crying on you. Mm. You know that. <laughs> he will still cry on you. Yeah. And and I send the, the, the original home to my mom, just like he asked, and he had them both up there. And by the time that I got my high school diploma, he had about 15 GEDs already. Because yeah. he had used he had used my example for all of the other Muslims. Mm. So when I come back to his cell with my high school diploma, Shortly thereafter, the the the, uh, the prison was like, "Hey, we understand what you're doing, but you can't tape all of these to your wall." You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But they gave him a special they gave him a special uh, folder for it, mm. and they recognized him. The 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 the, the warden uh, Baca mm. recognized him and said, "We we want to do something for you because when I came back." I didn't realize that he had about 15 copies of GEDs on his wall. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and all he was doing, he was, he, they, they asked him, they said, how did you get so many inmates to go to the education building? He says, I just asked them to do it. Yeah. Cause, cause I just met you right now and I feel like I've known you forever. And I know just as well as you do that if, if, if Abdullah was to ask you for something, you, you, no problem. Of course. It's yours. And it, it, even if it was, go to school. You'd be like, fine. Yep. And I did it. And uh, I, I then qualified for what was called the Millennium Scholarship mm. under the Nevada legislature. And because I was a student in Nevada and I graduated in Nevada, I qualified for a scholarship in Nevada full ride because I had a 
Whoa. So when you got out, you had a full ride scholarship? No, no, no. you're still in? This is when I'm still in. Yeah. I graduated in Nevada. Uh, I graduated 2001. uh, And uh, enrolled in college at what's called Western Nevada Community College. And I uh, majored in uh, network, computer computer software and networking. Mm. I have my A plus, N plus, and C plus, all because of <clears throat> of Abdullah. Yeah, Subhanallah. Subhanallah. He's in there. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> Just because he asked me. Yeah. I mean, if no one asked me, I would have never done it. I know that. I know for a fact I would have never done it. But because someone that I appreciated and respected asked me, I said, okay, fine. If that's what you want, he's given me so much. Mm. Do you see him at all when you're out now? Because are you in Vegas? I am in Vegas. I, and, I, and I did. I when He was home. He eventually got out. Yeah. And he was home. And I took my oldest son. And I have a photograph of me, myself, myself and my son, Shahid. And Abdullah. And uh, although I haven't seen him in a while, I am one of uh, one of the people who was 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 brought up behind him. He taught me a tremendous amount, Uh, you know, as far as wars. I don't know how negative you want to go. I'll keep it. I'll keep it Disney if you like. (laughs) You know, he asked me if if Abdullah asked me to do something, whatever it was, because I boxed. Mm on the outside before I came in under Richard Steele, yeah. uh, a, a, a very famous um, uh, referee and, and trainer. So we knew a lot of the same people. Mm. And if he asked me to do something, <clears throat> maybe low brow, hey, you know. I remember he, he loved boxing too. He loved Mike Tyson. Yes. That Bobby yes. Weed. And he he, loved he would try it on me every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> like you you never know if he felt, you know, inclined. He might throw a couple punches at you, you know. That, like, have you been swung on by a villain? Yeah, well? yeah, yeah. Of course. Sometimes, yes. I remember. So, I remember. I punched him in his nose because he kept. He kept. Oh my! Yeah, he kept like throwing at me. I, I, I smacked him, but obviously he could have. He could have swept the floor with me if he wanted to. But he was. Just, yeah. He just laughed. He laughed it off. Yeah. I, I remember, man. He was. Like, he, he had no fear at all. I remember when I was there, there was uh, another white brother that became Shia. I can't, Ishak, we called him, Ishak. And uh, okay. he, he, went to, he went to the kitchen for food, and someone called him uh, a bad word. And then because of that, Abdullah came and he rounded up, like, the few Shia brothers couple others like a couple other people got on our side and they made like a racial comment towards him so it was all of the the skinheads or whatever they all grouped up on the yard and it was us like maybe 10 of us at the most and we went it was summertime and we put on the big jackets we put books around our waist just in case like we get stabbed Here we go. and it was like yeah. 200 of them I don't know how many, and and you know how the, the the yard is, there's that little hill, they were all up on that little hill, and we were down, so we were looking up towards them, and the cops realized immediately that something was up, 
they came yep. with the with their little crowd control guns and everything and you had everyone was ready and i remember thinking like man this is going to go bad but whatever and abdullah It's gonna go bad, yes. and abdullah went by himself went up into the middle of all the skinheads and went up to their ringleader or whatever and was like if you guys want we'll go down and we'll fight to the death and whatever he said the skinhead was just like no nah, we don't want it and and they said forget it i remember that tunnel was the death trap if you got caught in that tunnel you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah that tunnel when you go into the kitchen if yeah, you yeah, got caught in it, it yeah cuz i remember he he made a mandate that no muslim could go in the tunnel by themselves after a mm. while mm. because cuz i'm post 911 So yes. so I was before none of them. So there wasn't any there wasn't any hatred towards Muslims when I was there. Yeah, so it definitely changed. So so I had experienced, you know, discrimination and racism and things like that all my life. Mm. And Islam was one of the only places that I was it was fine. It was fine to be a Muslim. Being a Muslim post, uh, uh, pre 9/11 was like being a Buddhist. Was, <laughs> you just who cares? You know, yeah. who cares, right? Yeah. Being a vegetarian, it was the same as being a vegetarian or a Buddhist. Who cares? Mm. And I remember the hatred and the the discrimination and just the the tremendous amount because you're already in prison. And it was it was my Islam was my safe place pre nine eleven. The fact that I was a Muslim had no bearing on anything. Yeah. And when that was taken away from me, it was very, very difficult. Indeed, it was very, very difficult. And I just remember, like, I wouldn't wish that on anybody to be a Muslim right after 9-11 yeah. in prison. Well, I'm sure it was difficult. I wasn't even in the States at that time. So I had left the States and I was in Lebanon. I, was, I started my Hausa before 9-11 happened. So I remember in Lebanon, that someone grabbed me and took me to the television and was like, look what's happening in your country. It's like, whoa, it was crazy. But like I had no, and I didn't go back to the States for probably close to a year after 9-11, right? So it was extremely difficult for me. Yeah. Because, because to take the only safe thing away from me at the time that made me equal that make that that didn't didn't dis disqualify me islam didn't disqualify me up until that point yeah. and to to go through that i just remember because i was on the west coast so it was even earlier in the morning than when it was happening mm. and i just remember abdullah explaining to us that this was the world trade center and that many of our brothers and sisters worked in those buildings that Muslims died in that building yeah. and, 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 and the implications of the spilling of Muslim blood. And he always taught certain things that, you know, were his, were, were his sticking points. And when they rounded me up, they, they what they did was they went and grabbed the, um, the Friday Juma. So 9-11 happened on a Tuesday. They, they, they grabbed up the Friday Juma uh, sign-in sheet. And uh, just started calling the names over the intercom speakers. 
Mm. I didn't hear it at the time I was working out. And uh, they called me and they go, um, they interviewed me like two days after. They just put us in a hole. They just put us in a hole under involuntary protective custody. Wow. They put all of us, they locked yeah, wow. they locked all of us up. That's crazy. Or involved because there was what they felt was credible threats against our lives. Mm. And I was in, a, I was in the, the weight pile with all kind of people, completely oblivious that my life was in danger. Mm. And and they may have saved my life. Yeah. Like 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 I don't agree with it, but it very well at the time I definitely didn't agree with. It. I lost my custody status. I lost my job. I lost my canteen. I lost everything, you know, as one does. And everything that I had earned up until that point, all of the privileges that I had earned up until that point were taken away from me. And uh, they said, yeah, your life is in danger. And we would like to speak to you about some of your beliefs. And I just was like, I need inmate counsel immediately. I'm not speaking to you about anything without inmate counsel of some sort. Mm. And I don't know what's going on. And I just remember Abdullah was able to get word to each person who was locked up. They locked us all up. And he says, have your family call the prison and ask why you're in the hole. And he says, and just have him just keep calling. Mm. This is how this is going to happen. We, we need outside influence. We need people demanding answers to questions that they they're not prepared to give yet yeah so 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 write home call home do whatever you can and have every member in your family call this prison here's the phone number to nsp we're gonna flood this phone line mm. and that's how we got out that's crazy yeah all right we don't have much time tell me a little bit about mustafa and how when you met him oh because this is i don't, I don't know <laughs> mustafa personally i I was in contact okay. with him with uh, with letters, yes. and okay. uh, yeah, I really, I, I really can't <laughs> wait for the day that I meet him. Inshallah. Inshallah. So Mustafa, the first day I met him, he he wore these big pants. He had purchased. I don't know how he had these jeans. He's the only person on the yard with these stovepipe pant leg jeans. You can you can spot Mustafa from a mile away because of the fact that everyone wearing the same clothes and he was wearing jeans that didn't match the uniform. I don't I still don't know how he had them on. <laughs> and he had multiple pairs of them. So <laughs> I met him. He was a chaplain. Yep. If you can believe that. He was the uh no, excuse me, the chaplain's assistant. We had a we had a, a, a chaplain, Father Dave, and he was the assistant to the chaplain. Okay. And I just remember him challenging me several times about several different topics and forcing me to question my process. He, you know, you don't bend the spoon, you bend your mind. And he made me think. He made he, he made he forced you to think or you just didn't talk to him. <laughs> that 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 is that is that's what it is, you know. So he was uh, he was a very studious man. He he broke down the Quran in 
in in uh, Ramadan, which just passed. Uh, Ramadan Mubarak, brother. Ramadan Kareem. Yeah. <laughs> he he broke down instead of the thirty Jews. He broke it down to. I want to say in fifteenths. So he was like, I could read the Quran, the entire Quran, in fifteen days. Then he did it again in sixtieth, where he could read this the same Quran in two months. Hmm. This is this is how this Quran has all of these tabs yep. sticking out. You see, so this is what I'm talking about. This is this is this is where we are, you know. And 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 we we debated the the finer points of voodoo mm. and challenged you on what say say oh Muhammad speak why is he saying this why is it why is this here you know we we read the Quran in the in the way it was revealed as and in the way it was compiled. So we read one time, me and Mustafa read the Quran with Surah 96 being the beginning. Mm. Like this is this is where we are with this man and, and the, the, the his walk and his and his dedication and his devotion. He taught me he taught me how to how to how to give a, a khutbah. Yep. That's he was the, he was the person who taught me how to do that. Mm. He he challenged the way you prayed. It was like. Why is it that this man doesn't want to touch foot to foot? You know, those silly things that happen. Mm. He had a game. I'll tell you this game. I, I, so, so I don't want to hold, it, hold you up. It's called Muslim baseball, Islamic baseball. Do you know about Islamic no, baseball? No, no, I don't. So you have to have a sure committee. Yeah. And the, and, the, and the committee has to know the levels of which these brothers are. So... It, it, it can't all be major league ball. He's a he's a he's a double A player. He's a triple A player. Mm. So then the brother gets to pick the pitch. Do you want a single, a double, a triple, or a home run? Then, based on that, that's the question you're going to get asked. <laughs> that's awesome. And, and, and it was. Do you get where I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like with you the question would then be much more technical, mm. way more technical. So if you were to ask, you say, hey, I want to I want a triple. I would go, okay, for a triple, what are the names of Ali's grandchildren? Mm. His grandchildren. That's a triple. Yep. Yes. So Imam said, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Boom, there you go. You see, mm. so and 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 you know, and you get humbled. You mm. would get humbled. Like mm. that's not a single brother. That question's not. And so then the, the game never never ended because that's what would happen. Yeah. But this is what he. This is how he kept Islam fresh. That's nice. I love it. Wait. I love it. Yeah. And 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 I loved him for it. And and I just remember he said to me one day. He says, "Hey, I need you to get a shirt that does not have." your identifier and the back of it, your back number, your, your inmate ID number. Mm. He says, you need a shirt that does not have that number on it. And I found out why later. And, and it saved me. 
It saved me. It did. It really did. So, you know, that's a, that's another topic for another day. But this brother was he, he was he was he was astute. He demanded excellence. You you wanted to give it to him. And if you didn't, don't come around him then, because this is what he wants. This is what he wants. And he asked and, and he demanded it. If, if, you know, I don't want to discuss uh, uh, the basketball games. I wanted I, I want to see where you are. You know, we're, we're doing Sora 55. Do you want to talk about Sora 55? No, then maybe this ain't the conversation for you. Yeah. So he kept it. You know? Yeah, he was, he regulated the conversations. It's good. Oh, oh my goodness. The Jahaliya did not happen. It was, <laughs> it, we, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to sharpen each other. Yeah. And because of it, I'm, you know, every Muslim education is different. It's unique. It's, you know, I don't know where you are. It would take a while before we we familiarize ourselves together. But I remember, I remember one time praying with with uh, with, with Mustafa, and uh, he comes he comes out of the uh, Surah one, and he goes to Surah two, and we both know how Surah two sounds when when you begin. Yeah. So I I go oh I wonder how far he's gonna go. And and you know and and you have the rock. Mm-hmm. He rocks so he he can stay on he can stay on task, and whew, he went he went there. And when we come out and we do our next one, he picks up on sword to where he left off, and you go, oh my god! Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, like 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 how far can you go in sword two? I'm I'm about six ayat. Yeah, not far at all. Yeah. he's rocking he's rocking and and i'm blown away at how far he can go in sewer too so i just this is this is the brother that we're dealing with yeah this is this is the topic of discussion yes i remember i don't remember much from him man because i didn't meet him so i know i remember the stories that abdullah told me about when they when he converted he sent a few letters through to nevada state prison when i was there and then after I got out, I've been in contact with him through through mail, but it hasn't been for a long time. So since I've been overseas, it's really hard to. It is. It is very hard because he's a targeted individual. Um, you know, they 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 will he was take on, from him. He was on. He was online for a bit as well. So he yes. Was, I remember that. So I was in contact with him when when he had the, <laughs> the sneaky, sneaky little internet connection. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so we won't we won't talk about how he got that, but it was taken away from him, unfortunately. And f- yeah. since then, I haven't really had much contact at all. But yeah, it's expected. I just I just I just remember he. I don't know how he's he, he's he's uncannily strong. Like you don't know that how strong he is. So I'm a young, I'm a young, young pup, and Abdullah and Mustafa are bunkmates. And I come over there one day, and I don't know where where how it even the energy even became. <laughs> and I just remember, <laughs> I remember when we got back to the mosque, Abdullah looking at me and go. <laughs> He had you. Oh, he, he had you. <laughs> we, we, we in class. He said, he got you, didn't he? And I was like, no, he didn't give me. He didn't give me. He said, oh, no. 
Oh, yes, brother, he did. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. I was fine. I was fine. He's like, no, no, brother. I don't know. <laughs> you know, because, you know, Abdullah, Abdullah likes this. Yeah, yeah. He's with all of this. He's he, he's available for this. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, brother, he had you over there, brother. He, he was getting you. <laughs> to which I'd still deny. I, I just want for the record. Mm, for the record, yeah. I still I still deny that I, I felt like I was perfectly fine. Yeah. I had uh, this situation under control. I remember I remember when I was uh when I was there, I got I got paroled. So I got par- I was oh. I only have one charge, so I just got paroled off the one charge. Okay. And okay. uh I remember from there you gotta leave NSP and go to a minimum yard, right? Because whatever yes. custody issues or they're trying to reintegrate you into society or whatever their plan is. So I remember Abdullah crying when when I left. It was tough, man. That was that was hard. That was hard because we were so close. Like I think I mean I really think that that my life is in his hands. Like he I don't know how I would have survived prison myself without him you know it would have been a different story for sure and I know like the way that he motivated me towards religion towards studying towards all of that like it was he was the he was the imam of the of the group before Mustafa got there and yeah you know he was the guide like I I know my religion is definitely you know connected to him everything that I have is connected to him and I remember that just departing from him was was tough, and then I got on the minimum yard, got out four months afterwards, and tried to re tried to integrate into the community. And I remember, alhamdulillah, there was there was a group in Los Angeles. I'm from LA, so I moved back to LA, and there was a group there that that through through Ali from Rina Ali Tazarbi, like through one of the people he knew. And then I was able to meet a small little group of people around my age there. And I was able to connect to them and then go to Hausa and come back. And alhamdulillah, it was, it was a pretty smooth road for me. But I know a lot of people have, have difficult, difficulty kind of after they, they get out of prison and seeing the community. Because in prison, I didn't, like, the, way, the way that I, that I try to describe it, it's like imagine you're in, you're in a in a war you're on a battlefield right so the connections that you have with each other are much stronger like you would die of course. For, you would die for one another like there's I'm glad, there's no I'm glad to my life yeah there's no that like there's no boundaries towards your relationship and then when you get when you get outside of prison it's like eh, everyone's doing their own thing like the, the hey, connections bro, are yeah, great. Yeah. I see you once a week. Say salam to you. That's it. <laughs> like, no, no, no. like it's I very, very different. A it's a shock that you know. Oh, these people have lives, and these people, you know, they don't hang out after the the prayers over. After they salam out, they're out. Mm. We we would hang out at the mosque for hours after you after you, after the prayers over. And 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 when I got when I came home, it was a tremendous. It was a tremendous. Uh, adjustment for me. Um, there is a large mosque on Desert Inn called uh, Masjid Al Jami, and I remember the first time coming home 
and you know, obviously, you want to find a mosque as soon as possible. It is, it is what you do. Yeah. And it was a funeral. My first day home mm. after Juma was a funeral for an elder at Moscow Jamie, and I just felt this learning curve that I needed to overcome. And I knew that they didn't have to, I I realized very quickly that they didn't have to adjust to me. I had to adjust to them. Yeah. And this was the international mosque Mm. where, you know, everyone came. This is, this is not, you know, half these people do not even English. It's not their first language. Yeah. So, you know, all you can do is pray with these people mm. because any other form of communication they don't have with you. And that's a, that's a very, very challenging feeling. And, and, and for someone who is not uh, strong in their faith, that can be a deterrent, a very strong deterrent. And I found, I found, uh, I found that, 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 that comfort zone when I went to Asabur, Masjid Asabur, and I was able to find people who a spoke English as their first language because the international mosque was was way beyond my level. Yeah. Because I can't even communicate with these people. Mm. And so once I one once I once I then was able to come back to Masjid Al Jami after knowing the procedures. Remember, we never prayed with women. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. And and the urge to turn around is so distracting and so overwhelming. Would you agree? Because you just don't know what's going on. Yeah. I'm talking about the first two two or three times there. Mm. All I want to do is just turn around. And they're like, don't, brother, don't turn around. Mm. Just that alone was just overwhelming for mm. me. I remember uh, there's so- a big learning curve for me as well. And it was, I remember... Because, I mean, look, you, you do your best when you're, when you're locked up to learn about Islam. You do your best to learn about the different ahkam, the different religious rulings, and all of that. You do your best. But you don't get all of it. Like, there's, there's holes in what we, what we know, right? And yep. when I got out, it became very clear, very quickly, that there's a lot of holes. And also, as you said, this interaction <laughs> with, with other people like the way that muslims interact with one another the way that muslims interact with the opposite gender like all of this is completely new to me and although i've been muslim for for a few years and i've been practicing for a few years (laughs) i don't i haven't i haven't had that experience yet and huge gaps in your education yeah yeah so alhamdulillah as i said like i was able to connect with a good group of shia youth at the time and they they kind of took me under their wing and helped me learn, you know, fill in the little holes that needed to be filled. And then I went to Hausa, and in Hausa, you kind of look at the depths of everything. So I, I studied, you know, pretty extensively there. So it took a while to to get everything, you know, to understand everything. But I know that it's it's definitely a learning curve, and it's definitely... A difficult process. So, where are you now in the in the community? Like, what are you doing with your life? What are you? What are your Absolutely. aspirations and all that? So, um, 
upon getting out of prison and becoming a Muslim in in society, I needed an educate. I needed a, a career that would not hold me back as much. And I found something that worked for me in air conditioning. Mm-hmm. So I because I needed a, I needed a trade or I needed some sort of way to provide for myself so that those choices and those decisions in my life wouldn't be so dramatic. And air conditioning in Las Vegas, it, it agrees with the, the convict. Uh, ex, air conditioning and, 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 and uh, someone who being released from prison is a duck to water. Wow. Okay. It really is. Um, and, and the way I, I discovered, <laughs> the way I discovered air conditioning was uh, one day I was on the yard at a minimum security prison, uh, a, a camp, an actual camp. And, um, there was a, a gentleman walking with two arm, I mean, with two guards, not armed guards, but two guards. And he had like a bag and some tools on him. And I just said, Hey man, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, the AC is broken in the kitchen. And, um, they know that I was a refrigeration tech on the streets and they had my wife send up my tools and they lock them in this cabinet. And whenever they need, uh, the repairs, they escort me over to the kitchen and I fix their refrigerators. And in my small mind, I I wanted to do that so that if I ever came back to prison, I could be the refrigeration guy. Mm. Like this is the, the poison in my head that, hey, I could do that. So that way, if I ever came back to prison, this is like, like I couldn't see past prison. Yeah. And that's the reason why I took this position. This is the reason why I went down that path. And uh, now I, I'm the uh, regional manager for a small AC company, very boutique. Uh, we do certain uh, high-value customers, FedEx, T-Mobile, Sprint. And I just mm-hmm. I maintain all of their air conditioning, H&R Block, places like that. And I just I, just, I take care of all of their equipment. Beautiful. And, um, and, 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 you know, I encourage anyone getting out of prison because AC doesn't care about how you look, your uh, religion, your race. Are you tall enough? Are you, you know, smart enough or whatever? It's 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 a results driven type of job. They don't care what school you went to. If you can do the job, you can do the job. Mm. And, and, and there's a tremendous amount of uh, upside to it. It's very, very hard work. Uh, another thing that doesn't bother me is heat. The heat doesn't affect me like some people. Yeah. And heights. And so, being a Muslim, you know, I I, I I'm on the, the the list of resources for the mosques. All all of the mosques in Vegas. I, I make sure I keep my name on their resource list. If they ever need services like that, I do them 100% for free. They don't even have to pay for the the materials. That's you know. Good. That's good. Yes. That's good. And well, there's, there's a couple of brothers yeah. here that help, that own uh, air conditioning companies in uh, in Sydney. I'm in oh, Australia. Oh, no kidding! Yeah, yeah. So nice, nice. Shout out to Abbas Lasik and Anwar Ajami. There's a few of them that they have uh, their own businesses. No kidding! Yeah, no they, they kidding. actually hire. They actually have a, a, you know employees, and it's great. They're doing a good job. Yes, gonna, yes. Um, I, I hire I hire uh, employees. I do I do. The interviews, I do all of that. Yeah, yeah. alhamdulillah. Excellent, excellent. Alhamdulillah. Well, brother, I feel I could talk to you forever here. 
So I think oh. I think we're gonna we'll cut it off, but I'll, stay on the line. I'll talk to you afterwards. But thank you so Absolutely. much for um, accepting this this invitation and talking with me. And I, I think it will be interesting for the for the listeners, inshallah. So it's good, it's inshallah. Ah, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. What you haven't subscribed yet, mate? Get on the ball. Subscribe to the channel.